the burning fire Oh, a sound of greatness I have in me the burning fire Now let's go to Genesis chapter 14 Now, whatever we want to study and we say Genesis, what comes into mind? I thought that one went down there Huh? Yes, sir. The law of first mercy. Now, today, let me add another thing. Every major scriptural doctrine that is good for the church begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. This statement that I have made, I can take like three months to explain it and pick all church doctrines you know and then we'll look at that maybe we'll do that next year because next year we have we have we have six months no two or two months or three months to discuss our doctrines doctrines christian doctrine so we pick salvation we talk about it we pick holy spirit we talk about it we pick righteousness we talk about it we pick tongues we talk about it Everything like all the major doctrines we talk about baptism, we talk about communion, we talk about all of that from the word of God. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Lord. And next year, I will give you an opportunity to be asking questions once I'm teaching. Mm. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. You don't like it? You like it, sir. So maybe I'll explain it from there. Now, we want to look at that. That Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. That's where. The word that was mentioned. Mm -hmm. Alright? Yes, sir. But for us to understand the for us to have a clearer picture, let's begin from verse um, 14. And when Abraham, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants. Born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hover, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother, Lot, all his goods, and the women also, and the people. Give me the Bible. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter, from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer, whatever it is, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Now look at me, you don't have anything right there, I'm not talking. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, did what? Come on, did what? Bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven on earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him thanks of all 
Hallelujah. Praise God. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and give them to thyself. Now, this is the first time the word tithes ever appears in the Bible. Hallelujah. It appears in Genesis. And at this time, the law had not been given. Alright? The law was given in Exodus. From Exodus 20, thereabout, the law was given. That's where you can begin with the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. So, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe of all his cross. Now, Abraham heard that there, there was a war and his lot was what to Abraham nephew. Right? And his what well, yeah, and his nephew had been had been captured. So Abraham picks up my goodness, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Abraham picks up the guys in his house and then he goes into war. And then he defeats the opponent and brings all the people of Sodom that have been captured. And he spoils them. Now, when you read the Bible, especially the King James, and you find the word spoil, it does not mean that we're saying to spoil means to loot, to plunder. It means that to take your enemy's properties. So he fought them, won them, and spoiled them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So he came with the people that have been that have been uh, taken captives and the goods. Alright? So on his way coming, then he met Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? <laughs> I have I have I have a message to preach. I have a message, but I don't think it's this year. I don't think it's next year. The message will be a, is, is a revival message. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is called, Why Are You Like That? Or Don't Be Like That. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's amazing, eh? That. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you something. The day I read that, the day that message came to my heart, I cried. Let me show it to you. Let's go to Hebrews 7. Yes, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now, let's begin from. Let's begin from chapter 5. Verse, verse um, 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Of whom, so of Melchizedek, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For the sake of the dullness of the hearing of a particular church, we lost a whole teaching that should have been given about Melchizedek. That is for why, why are you like that? Or don't be like that. It means that your spiritual state, your dullness or your activeness with the things of God does not just benefit you or uh, go against you. It goes against generations. Today we can't say a lot about Melchizedek because the, the, the church, the Hebrew, the church in that town, the Hebrew church, they decided to be dull of hearing. So the man of God said we have many things to share, but now we can't share it. 
and unfortunately, we lost it. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right, so that's just by the way. So Abraham met Melchizedek and then gave Melchizedek tenth. Now, <laughs> glory to God. Melchizedek did not request from Abraham. Hallelujah. Melchizedek did not meet Abraham and say, Yo, you want the battle of the high priest? Give me my share. No. The Bible says, when Abraham met with Melchizedek, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And after he blessed Abraham, he got, he gave him one tenth. I can teach on that for a year. Mind you, this is before the law. It means that the first time tithe was given, tithe was given in response to a priestly blessing. Hallelujah. Come on. Tithe was given by Abraham to the priest in response to a priestly blessing. Now, let's push the New Testament aside. Let's behave as though we are not in the New Testament because I am going to teach you how we align ourselves with these offerings in the New Testament. But let's push aside now because we are not there. Now, so it means that looking at Abraham, what is one of the wisest things to do when you receive a priestly blessing? Now, mind you, the priest did not follow Abraham to the wall. The priest did not fight for Abraham. Neither did we even read that the priest prayed for Abraham to go and win the battle. Abraham used his own resources to go and win the battle. So it was Abraham who used his own resources. It was Abraham that used his people. If the people, had, of course, the people had to eat, who paid for it? Abraham. Abraham did everything himself. It means that Abraham was running his own company without any pastor. So we can say it was the hard and substance of Abraham. You give your hard-earned money, 10% of it to somebody. Abraham did it first. Hallelujah. So when Abraham was on his way and he met Melchizedek, now let's get back to Genesis. So, and the king of, I'm sorry, and Melchizedek, king of Salem for 18, brought forth bread and wine, and he, and he was the priest of the Most High, and he blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham, the most high God, possessor of heaven, and blessed the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So Abraham responded to the priestly blessing of Melchizedek. All right? How? Come on, how? Talk to me, everybody. By how? Giving him a tithe. It means that the first revelation. Or the first instance as recorded in the Bible, when tithe was paid, tithe was not legalistic. Tithe was not something that was legal. If you don't pay, you will die. Pay or you die. If you don't tithe, your pocket will be tight. Mm -mm. That is not faith. The first time a man gave, and look at it, the Bible says, and he gave him tight. Underline the word gave. Because when I take you higher, you will find to pay. You will find the word pay. Of course, you also find the word give. But that give is, is about paying rather than giving. Because that one, you are giving under a command. So that one, you are paying. Hallelujah. So he gave tight. 
He gave tithes as a response to the blessing of the high priest or the blessing, sorry, of the priest of God. So tithe, first of all, was a response to a priestly blessing. Now, let me put it well. Tithe was, first of all, a faith response to a priestly blessing. Hallelujah. It was a faith response to a priestly blessing. Now, in the New Testament, we are not done away with faith. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise the name of the Lord. So, tithe did not begin in the law. Tithe began before the law. Hallelujah. And remember, Abraham did not give the tithe so that God would make him go and win. Abraham gave the tithe because God has made him one. Hallelujah. Meaning that the Abrahamic kind of tithing, all right, according to this scripture, is first of all a revelation and a response of what God has done for you and a response to a blessing you receive. It means that tithe is like, for example, oh, thank you for what you have done. Like if somebody does something for you, so oh, thank you for what you have done. Oh, thank you for what you have done. So according to Abraham or in the psychology of Abraham, my way of saying thank you or my faith way of responding to all the words that the priest have said over my life is to give out a tithe. Hallelujah. Come on, are we together in this place? We'll get into the New Testament. But I want I want us to live in, in and you see, Genesis is not part of the Old Testament. I don't know if I've ever taught you that. Genesis is not Old Testament. The Old Testament begins from Exodus. Hallelujah. When the law was born. In the same way, the New Testament does not begin from Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not New Testament books. Are they Old Testament? No. Sometimes they call it intertestamental or whatever, but it's not New Testament. What is a New Testament? I'll show you next year. But a New Testament, the Bible says, for a testament to be of force, there is of necessity, there must be of necessity the death of the testator. For while the testator yet remains alive, the testament, the will, is not is of no effect. So a New Testament begins, or a, a testament begins when blood has been shed. So Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. It means that the New Testament began when the blood was poured. Yeah. Come on, hallelujah. Oh my God, I, I, like, I like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, so Genesis is not the New Testament. Genesis is not the Old Testament. Genesis is a testament of his own. Alright? Good. So, Abraham did not tithe under the law. Alright? Abraham tithe before the law. Now, what is the word tithe? The word tithe simply is the tenth part. Alright? Or um, the tenth division. So, for example, um, a tithe of a hundred cities is what? 10 cities. A tithe of a thousand cities is what? A hundred cities. A tithe of a 10,000 cities is what? So it's simply whatever that amount is divided by 10. 
That's a fact, all right? So if you have, if you have 2,000 and you give 500, that's not a fact. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you had 100 cities and you give 800, that's not a fact. If you had 100 and you give 900, it's still not a fact. If you have 1,000 and you gave 1,000 times you do what? 100, you give a, a 90, you still know a tithe. A tithe is a tithe. A tithe is 10%. Hallelujah. 10%. So that is the meaning of the word tithe. And the first time tithe was introduced, Genesis 14, hallelujah. So the first time it was introduced, number one, the law was not given. Number two, it was not an instruction. It was not a command. Abraham gave tithe by his own accord. Hallelujah. And then number two, he gave the tithe as a response to a priestly blessing. Hallelujah. God. Let's go to Genesis 28. Now let's begin from let's begin from 12. Let's begin from 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and he looked sorry and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillow and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to the heaven and behold the angels of god descend ascending and descending on it and behold the lord stood above it and said i am the lord god of abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, are we together in this place? Yes, sir. And the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Who is talking to who? God is talking to who? Come on, God is talking to who? Talk to me. God is talking to who? Jacob. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of promise. Hallelujah. 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 And Jacob awake. Out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Tell somebody, the Lord is right here. Oh my God, hallelujah. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. <laughs> Could that be true? What are we, verse what now? Verse 18, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillow and poured oil upon it. I, I will go into details, those things. I mean, when you're reading the Bible, you'll find out and he built an altar and you built out. I'll, I'll talk to you when I'm talking about fellowship. Building an altar. Hallelujah. But it will not be a Nigerian altar. <laughs> so he, he poured oil upon it, on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The house of God. But the name of that city was loose 
at first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tent unto thee. So the second time we see tithe, so the tent unto thee is what? A tithe, right? So the second time we see the word, I mean, the concept of tithing is that Jacob responds to a heavenly vision, all right? A heavenly vision and a word that is given by God to him or over his life, he responds to it. Hallelujah. And making a vow to it that God, now I know you are God. I know you've said this. Father, if all these things are going to come true, if you are going to be with me as you have said, if you will be with me, if you see me through all of these things, I make a vow this day. You will be my God and everything that you give me, I'll give a time for it. It means that tithe did not begin as a, as, um, um, as a legal practice. Tithe began as a faith practice. Hallelujah. Father, you are going to be with me. Father, if this thing is going to come to pass, Father, of all the things you have said, Father, I expect this of you, Lord. I expect your hand to move in this direction. And oh, Lord, if your hand is going to move in this direction, I vow about today, Lord, if this is going to happen, I'm going to give you a tithe of all that you give me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So it wasn't a legal thing. It was what? A faith. A faith. Abraham is called the father of faith. Now, listen. Where do you think Jacob learned that from? Because Abraham gave birth to who? Isaac. And Isaac gave birth to who? Jacob. So where did Abraham, sorry, where did Jacob learn this thing from? So now, I'm just making a little statement. Where do you think that the grandchild of Abraham learned that thing from that the thing of I'll give you a thing part. Where do you think he learned it from? Come on, I have I his father. Who is his father? Isaac. So he might have learned it from Isaac. Where do you think Isaac would have learned that to from? From Abraham. Now, if that is it, what do we call that? It means that. There was this, I mean, by, by inference, it means that there was a particular system or a tradition or a culture or a practice of one thing. Are, are we correct? A practice of one thing. Let's take, for example, if, uh, you know, culture and tradition, traditions especially, are given from one generation to the other through practice. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I told you, for example, there's nobody that is younger than me in my family that will have the balls to call me Kwame. You can't have the balls. It's, it's not a law that have been made in the house that you don't do the But by virtue of tradition, all right, where we are from and where we are located, 
when somebody is older than you, you just can't get up and call the person by his name like that. If the person is way older than you, except that's how the person is called. Do you, you understand? And even that is a breach of tradition. But then I have a cousin who I'm very, very older than. She lives in Germany and she picks a phone and she'll call you, Kwame, at this end. You don't ask an elderly person that at this end, you have born you. That is not our tradition. So, why do you think she's doing that? She has been given different sets of traditions. There are some of you, there are some things you can never wear. Even if you are going to the beach, you can never wear bikini and be free. Except those of you who are doing overlearning. Over Sabi, Ghanaian women over Sabi. Right now, they can even wear something like this, then they are walking through town. As if they are mad people. And they will tell you that the civilization, there is heat in Ghana. The heat that has been here, it has been here for a long time. Meanwhile, our mothers and our grandmothers, they were wearing cover and slate. So it's over Sabi. So that, those people, they are not normal. So you just put them somewhere. Of course, yes. I mean, how in your senses would you wear something like this? A nika like this. And then they say, they pass on. So, so there is um, there is um, you know, like a, a delivery of traditions from one generation to the other. So, if, if if Jacob is going to make a vow to the Lord that if you are able to do this and this and that for me, I will give you a tenth part. Of all that. Now, let's get in there. My, 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 my. I'll, I'll see. I need, I'm just with Kaka. So I just say. All right. Is what? He says, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will give thee. It's very important. All that thou shalt give me. All that thou shalt give me. What does that mean? Now, you have to underline that. But when I get into the New Testament, I will make reference from this. Now, what that means is that I am going to first of all recognize that from this day forward, after this particular vow, all that comes to me is from you. Hallelujah. All that that comes to me is from you. Now, let's jump a little bit in the New Testament. The Bible says there's nothing that we have that is not of him. From him are all things, and to him are all things. So he's just saying that all the things you are going to give me, I will find. It means that to Jacob, a fact is a declaration that all that God, uh, is a declaration that all that I have, God gave me. To Abraham, a fight is a declaration that I respond by faith to the priestly blessing. And those of you who didn't come to church, when we were there, you may not understand that. So, do you understand what I'm talking about? So, to Abraham, what is tight? My faith responds to priestly blessing. Are we together? To Jacob, what is that? All that I have, or 
a signification or an indication that all that I have or an announcement that all that I have, God gave to me. Now, so putting that together, let me ask you a very harmless question. What is fact before the law? If we say define fact in two sentences, what will it be? Come on, what will it be? Number one is what? Okay, number one is what? Faith responds to priestly blessings. So it, it means that as long as there is a priestly blessing over my life, as long as there is a priest over my life who blesses me, that is how I respond to his blessing over my life. Do I agree with that? Come on, do we all agree with that? Yes, sir. Okay, then number two is what? As long as I have come to recognize or having come to recognize that all that I have comes from God, I respond to him by giving him a tenth. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That means, we are not in the New Testament yet. We are not in the New Testament yet. That means if I... If I, I mean, in, the, in Genesis, if I don't give a tithe, what does that mean? Number one, I don't have a priest over my life. Number two, uh huh, all that I have is not from God. Come on, are we together in this place? Yes, sir. Yeah. So my God is myself. I fought for it. I got it myself. Nothing, nothing came from the Lord. It means that in those times, according to the scriptures here, I'm very particular, that's what I'm saying, according to the scriptures here. It means that not giving a tithe would mean that it's by my strength, it's by my power, no priest, no God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise Come on, hallelujah. Praise now, so the question is, where would Jacob send his tithes to? Because after all, I mean, we read of Abraham, that Abraham gave it to Melchizedek. So who is Jacob going to give to? If Abraham gave to a priest, that means that they were priests. Come on. Hallelujah. So, so Jacob of necessity, by the scriptures, if we're going to think with the scriptures, Jacob of necessity is going to give to who? A priest. Simple. Hallelujah. Now, let us strive a little bit to get another thing that the author of Hebrew brought about when he spoke of tithe. Let's get to Hebrews chapter 7. Are you enjoying this at all? For this Melchizedek, verse 7, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of Salem, sorry, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, 
um, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made unto like the son of God, abided a priest continually. So here we have a revelation, a little bit of revelation of who Melchizedek is, is right? And who is he? He is like unto the son of God. It means that Abraham gave a fight to who? Come on. Abraham gave a fight to who? Let's not quickly say the son of God. But Abraham gave a fight to the one who is like unto the son of God. Melchizedek has no mother. He has no father. I know a lot of people say Melchizedek is Jesus. Of course, they are not wrong. But I believe that Melchizedek is the Holy Spirit. That, I'll need a lot of time to teach that. But then, Melchizedek gave the tithes, let's assume it's Jesus or Holy Spirit, but whatever it is, Melchizedek gave the tithes personally, sorry, Abraham gave the tithes personally to Jesus. When Abraham was giving the tithes, he was giving to who? The priest. Then, the author of Hebrews says, when Abraham was giving the tithe, he goes beyond the natural priest. He was giving to the Son of God. I want to get an issue. Let's say, learn this man to walk by faith. Hallelujah. Learn to walk by faith. Let me continue. Consider now, consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave tenth of the spoils. Now here he's teaching, of course, he's teaching about priesthood. Alright? This teaching is about priesthood. I'm just making inference from what we are reading in Genesis and making the connection here. Alright? So here he says, now, consider how great this man is. That even Abraham gave tithes to. Think about it. Consider how great Melchizedek is. The, the, the writer wanted simply to say Melchizedek was God. Alright? And Abraham, when he says that even Abraham, what do you think it is? Abraham should not even have paid that. Why? Because Abraham is too big. Abraham is bigger than anybody that can ever pay that. Why? He will explain that all those who pay that, their father is Abraham. Their son is Abraham. So, so Abraham shouldn't have paid that. That goes to any pastor who doesn't pay that. Man of God. Bring order, bring order, talk to the offering to the storehouses of God. So there will be food in my house. And see, but no, it's your dirt of everybody. It's your big pot belly. That's where you store the, that's where you store the time. So now, so he says, even Abraham gave. Now listen to that. Then he says, now verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, whom receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithe. We'll look at that. Of the people, a commandment to take tithe of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren, 
though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Man, I need, I need time for this thing. But he whose descent is not counted from them received thanks of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that died received thanks. But there he received them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Hallelujah. And as I may so say, Levi also who received fight, paid fight in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Hallelujah. Do you understand what he's talking about? So that's, that's another point I want to say. So the, the, the author here says that the Abrahamic facts, the facts that Abraham gave, did not just affect him. It affected all that who were in him. So that is, it consecrated them to come and receive that. That's another thing we're going to talk about. That's the next thing we're going to talk about here. All right, but the point is that he says that the tithe that Abraham paid, or sorry, the tithe that Abraham gave, those that were in him also did what? Let's look at it again. He says, and as I may so say, Levi also who received tithe paid tithe in Abraham. All right, so the He's talking about the Levitical priesthood. I'm struggling to teach because I've not taught you about the priesthood. He's talking about the Levitical priesthood, how they also were affected by the tithe that Abraham paid or by the tithe that Abraham gave. Of course, the Levitical priesthood were the pastors or were the family of pastors God chose or the family God chose to be, to be, to be working as pastors. And God told them, you are not going to work, you are not going to do anything just be passive and then take the tithe of the people. Don't work. Hallelujah. Then I'll show you why pastors began working. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So he says, don't work. I will let people take care of you. Relax. Because your tithe was paid in your father. Of course, they are all the children of Abraham. But because God selected them, they were to receive the tithe. A lot of people have problems, and that's why. See, most of the people who are great people who are talking about we don't pay tithe, we don't give tithe, their problem is only one: where the tithe is going. <laughs> some people say that. So some pastors take tithes, and there are people in the church who are suffering. All right, so now they were affected by the giving that Abraham did. Hallelujah. So two, 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 two scriptures in Genesis. Genesis what? 14 verse 20. Abraham paid tithe. So Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek. All right? And what is that tithe called? Faith responds to a priestly blessing. Do we still have priests that are blessing us today? Yes. So it means that, you see, the problem is that the priest did not tell Abraham, give 10. 
It was because Abraham gave tech. That is why we got the eight points. Abraham could have given 11. But we don't have a name that we could have accepted and given that. Do you know if we had given 12 years, maybe we would have called it what? Twins. <laughs> we would have been talking about twins by now. But he chose to give 10. So if we are going to learn actually from Abraham, it's not necessarily tithe we are going to learn. It's not, it's not a percentage we are going to learn. Alright? It means that the concept of tithe is not a strict rule on percentage. On a fixed percentage. Does it make sense? Yes, Come on, does it make sense? Yes, what, what, what is happening here? When you are blessed by your priest, what do you do? You respond. It means that an offering is a response. Alright? I'll teach you that. It's a response to a blessing. It's a response to a something godly. It's a response. One of the ways to walk in unbelief, or one of the ways to show that you are walking in unbelief, is not to give offering. It's not a matter of whether you have money or you don't have money. Because offering is not just about money. Hallelujah. One of the ways that you show that you are walking in unbelief is to not give offering. Any kind of offering. No offering of You know that you can offer your body as a living offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Something you offer to the Lord. So if you are a Christian and in your life, there's nothing in your life that is offered to the Lord. I'm offering my life. Thank you, Father. I'm always serving God. My Father, please don't ask my money. Don't ask that money. That cannot be offered to you. Then you are not offered your life. You have offered a part of you. Come on, are we together in this place? Yeah. There are people who work. They go to church every day, in and out of season. Every day. Every day. They don't have any single commitment to anything in the house of God. You don't just give money when you have money. You don't give only when you have money to give. I'll show you New Testament giving. It's more dangerous than tithe. You will cry and say, God, bring tithe back. Paul showed a check. And he says, out of their poverty, they gave. They gave and went to the extent of even wanting to give their souls. A Christian who finds it a struggle to give is walking in unbelief. Hallelujah. Write that down. It's very important. And what is unbelief? The Bible says, let him who is double in his mind. Unbelief simply means to be unstable in your mind. Anyone who is unstable in his mind, say, let him not think that he can receive anything from the Lord. It's not like God will not give. God is a giver. But when you are walking in financial unbelief, you cannot receive financial blessing from the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That some people, you can pray for them, you can fast for them, you can manage. Hey, go, I open every closed door, I close every open door. Pastor can fast, pastor can pray, pastor can die. It always is that they are not seen talk. And sometimes there are some people, somebody can just see them and give them a gift. 
is that when they even go through financial pressure, it's not for long. The moment they are under pressure, God is under pressure. Don't let anybody fool you to make you think that your giving has no, has nothing spiritual attached to it. That your giving just coming to throw money in the offering basket. No. No. Hallelujah. Giving began, tithe began as a solid response of faith to a blessing. Hallelujah. I, I, I saw a man that words were coming forth through preaching, through my eye at Assemblies of God Church. The words of God were coming. They, 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 they normally have a program, they invite the pastor, and the pastor was preaching and speaking words of power over the church. You know those kind of things. Oh, who knew Kukoda? Oh, you know those kind of things. And those kind of things. The man ran from the back, somewhere, not the extreme, but somewhere around the back. Ran like this. And you could see that he, he was not thinking. He just ran like this and stood before the offering board and did like this. And like that, he entered his pocket and phone was inside. Keys were inside. We don't know what key he was. <laughs> then laid down like that. And was praying and shaking that guy. Like, to tell me that. So that giving is like somebody who had money and then didn't give anything and didn't respond to the word of God and just walk home and you think that by grace they are all the same. They are not the same. There are things, I think I taught this like three years ago, two years ago. There are faith actions. There are faith actions. And one of faith actions is, 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 um, oh, there's this word. It's an offering, but there's this word for it. It's like a scared heart offering. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like something happens. It's not something that you are planned to give. So, boom, you are there. Every day you are in control. This is the word hallelujah. How you say it? But it's not going anywhere. Hallelujah. Man, listen, we are all young people. And the best thing we can do right now is to start practicing these things. Hallelujah. Start practicing these things. Now, so this, these are the scriptures for times and the explanation before the law. All right? So before, do we still have some time? Do we have some time? Okay. So before the, so before the, so before the law, Abraham, Isaac, can we conclude that Isaac might have given a time? Although he wasn't stated. Can we? Why? Come on, why? Because what? Because what? Jacob gave, right? Good. And it should be something that, of course, would be something. Now, let's look at the law. So, now, in the law, let me give you a short background, else we'd have to go through lengthy scriptures. And we don't have time now. So, Abraham gave that. Now, when God wanted to so God decided to have a baby alright and um, he had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and what have you and God started building systems 
Now, God would have to need a particular line or a tribe. So the, the tribe, there were 12 tribes that comes together to form Israel. So that's why we call the 12 tribes of Israel. Alright? So the 12 children of Jacob, they form Israel. So, God decided, I'm going to pick one tribe and their responsibility will be to do ministerial work for me. So God, when God brings, when God, when God gets people, when God puts people together, one of the strongest things that comes into his head is their shepherd, all right, and their spiritual soul. Moses was more like their physical shepherd, and then God says, I need a pastoral shepherd. But that is going to be, I'm going to select one particular family or one particular tribe. And then long and short is that it fell on the tribe of Levi. Alright? So the Levites became the priests of God. Now let's get into the word. Let's go to Vitigos. Hallelujah. Let's begin from chapter 27. I said Leviticus what? 27. Now, for the sake of time, we'll look at the 27, but then let's get to Numbers. I think Numbers gives us the background that I want us to read. Numbers 18. Let's begin from 21. But no. Let's begin from somewhere. Let, let's begin from 18. Let's begin from 1, all right? I wanted us to jump, but what I want to talk about actually is in, from 21 going, but I think we'll be good with that. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also bring you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. We are not joking here. They and you also, they shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you, and you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. You shall be the priest, so that there will be no wrath on the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Where are we now? Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levite, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you. These are things that should be underlined. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Is that in your Bible as well? Is that in your Bible as well? 
So God says, your brethren, one of you is a gift to you. Hallelujah. All right. So it's a gift to you. Where are we now, verse 1? They are a gift to you, given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of me. Your pastor is your word? Yes. Come on, your pastor is your word? Yes. Come on, am I communicating? It did not start from the New Testament. He gave gifts unto men. Some part of example. Your pastor is your gift to you. Alright? Yes, and then your leaders are what? God gives to you. Hallelujah. You dishonor them. You are not dishonoring a person. You are dishonoring God gives to you. Do you have that in the word of God? Alright, let's continue. That's what I'm teaching now. Now it says, they are given to you, given by the Lord, to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, here, I myself have also given charge, have given you charge of my heave offering, all my offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons, as an ordinance forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every offering of this, every grain offering and every sin offering and every trespass offering which they shall render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons. In a most holy place you shall eat it. <laughs> Hallelujah. The pastor does not take offering and go and use the offering to give to his girlfriend. The offering must be eaten in a holy place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. In a most holy place you shall eat it. Every meal shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. That's just what I said. It's just by the way. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift. With all the wave offerings of the children of Israel, I have given them to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain, their first fruit which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Why, why is our pastor driving a baker when he sees church members and is passing away? This scripture is right here. <laughs> because I will show you their work too. Hallelujah. Alright. What, <laughs> whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. <laughs> All those of you in pastor's houses. They have to be clean. He says, every devoted thing in Israel shall be... All this I'm saying, I'm joking, oh, please. Everything that, that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they shall bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem. And the, so you shall surely redeem means that when you give birth, your firstborn, you don't bring it to the pastor to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can't cook the human beings. So he says that you just put money on top of it and then go and give the money. Alright? That's what it means by shall redeem. And the firstborn of unclean animals we shall redeem. So even if your unclean animals, that I should explain that to you. So there were some animals you couldn't use them as offering to the Lord. Pigs. You can't use that because if you told them not to eat it. Alright? And other animals, so some unclean animals, you don't bring them to the house of God. 
Alright, so what you do is that you just exchange your value with money and then you bring it to church. You can't bring, you cannot bring the faith and say, This is a faith, I'm offering to the Lord. You may give an offering and you will die. Alright, so this is still in the law. Never forget that. Hallelujah. Where are we now? Verse what? Verse what? And those redeemed of devoted things, you shall redeem them one month old according to your valuation for five shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 gerards. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, of the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. All the heap offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of sort forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. I don't have time to explain what it means by covenant of sort. Uh, the, then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no now, the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion. Any person who doesn't know this scripture, he has not begun in Israel. I am your portion, your inheritance among the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Praise oh, Jesus. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's continue. Behold, I have given the children of Levi, all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform. Should a Christian have a problem why people give support or partner with their pastor? Should a Christian have a problem with that? Come on, John, should a Christian have a problem with that? If you have a problem with that, lift your hand and bring your explanation. Should a Christian have a problem with that? I've been talking to you about power. I've been talking to you about grace. I should be able to talk to you about this. Hallelujah. I was together. Yes, yeah. He says that it is supposed to be given to them. Uh huh. Read that portion. One to go. So listen, he says that in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of Jesus. What does it mean? Their pastoral work. It's only pastors in our generation that people think that we should leave them to that. And it's very pathetic. You see, those of us here in town and all of that, sometimes it's good. But if you meet pastors in villages who would have to walk miles to go and preach from one cottage to the other, to preach the gospel, to do the work of God, and sometimes you see they are even struggling to buy a shoe, and you find one useless monkey on the internet telling you how foolish you are when you are giving your money to churches. Then they will side big churches, for example, number one, Church of Pentecost. They will say, when Pentecost got money, instead of building companies, they are building prisons. 
That's how come you are a fool. For the number of people who have gone to school through scholarship by Pentecost, they will never take it. For other things they've done, they will never take it. Now, Pentecost on one of them. It's not the responsibility of anybody to go to any prison. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Don't join Christians who do that. Hallelujah. The moment you are a Christian and you have a problem with your pastor's well-being, you are a witch. I'm saying that you are on the pastor, you are a witch. Yes. And if you are a Christian and you don't contribute to the well-being of your pastor, you are also a witch. Yeah, it's serious. Somebody prays for you when you are sick. Somebody comes to preach the word of God to you when you are when you are having depression and one of those shooting where by the time you are depressed and left, thank you so much for the word. You will go to a motivational speaker who is trying to speak for 40 minutes and will pay $200 per session. I'm making a study and I want to buy some videos. I went to the person's website and one video was costing $49. One video which is one hour 45 minutes. One video, $49. $49 times 12. 49 times 12 is what? Calculate it. 40 times 12 is what? 412 is what? 48. That is over 500 CD. For one C. One particular video, which is not up to two hours. This young man here will do six hours. And you'll be jumping, and you fall down, you break your head. It's hard to do. Then you find a son or a daughter of Jezebel inside a church who has a problem. It's serious. I'm not saying this because I want you to bring your money to me. I'm telling you by. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's serious. So God says, for their work of ministry, the work that they do in the house of God. You see, if somebody needs help in the church, their first point of contact in their head is to go to their pastor. Their pastor will have to sacrifice, I'm not giving you I'm not there yet, but their pastor will have to sacrifice their children's school to pay for your food to do that you go to school. And then they will travel. So I can go and give thanks to God. So now they will trust God. The pastors will have to sacrifice what they have to eat so that you can get something to eat. The pastors would have to sacrifice their own prayer topics and make sure they are praying for you. So the moment they are in problems, sometimes you see a pastor who is, somebody asks me a question, why is it that the people who were healing the sick, all the healing ministers, they died of one disease or the other. People have that question. Why? You see, they give mostly work for people because they place a demand on it. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The reason why it's a gift is that it's a gift to the people. It's a gift that must serve the people. You, the man of God, Pastor, I think says one day he was sick. He prayed, he casted, he binded, he look up at that thing. <laughs> he will walk into the meeting and whoo, everybody is healed. He's coming back to the sheep. 
Then he was asked, what, what is this? Then God says that there is a message. God told him, God says, my son, there is a message by Pastor Chris. This is the title, part one to part this. Go and get a message by Pastor Chris and listen to it. And then apply the word. So Pastor Chris has to go and get Pastor Chris's message. And Pastor Chris has to listen to Pastor Chris. He said he was coming from South Africa. So he used the six hour journey to listen to all that this thing. And when you go to there for the sickness left. Why? Because a pastor lives his life for people. I'm talking about good pastors, called ones, who fear God. They live their life for people. They live their life for people. The Bible made a sense that when you make your pastor grief over you, it doesn't help you. Because there are people that live their lives for you. That some of them live is not ministry, they will not be here. Praise the name of the Lord. Or you wouldn't have ever met them anywhere. Maybe some of you, you may you should have been you should have been in a situation by now. Or somebody should somewhere to pray for you. Or somebody have to sit down, learn the word of God, and come and talk to you. Hallelujah. And that delivered you. Some of you, you may have been in class by now. By now, you go, you are preparing for Friday with you. But here you are serving the Lord. Yeah. Some of you have had a wasted life, no direction in life. You are going, hey, hey, from you to, from you to, I got a ride, 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 But somebody came to give you the word of God, and that has changed your heart as well. Some of you, the way you are handsome, my goodness. By now you have about three people who are pregnant for you. And you are debating whether they are yours or they are not yours. Oh, you ladies, the way you are beautiful, by now you all are selling kids. Seven. Because you have aborted ten, you would have been selling two. But the word of God comes to you every day. When you are sad, you come to church, you get the word and you are happy. Some of you have come to a point where you wanted to commit suicide. You came to church and pastor had to preach. Whether he's in the mood or he's not in the mood, you have to preach. Do you think I always come to preach when I'm in the mood? Ask Noah. It's not every day I'm coming out of the Sometimes I'm out of mood. Yeah, I don't even have mood. Yeah, that sometimes maybe you just want to be in the room. Just, just, just release yourself of all this magnanimity. Concombility and dollability. <laughs> but you still have to come. So you just come and then you are just there and so you are talking and the spirit of God says, Let me help this guy. Tells you disgrace himself. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God says for the word. You know that Aaron, the high priest, you would have to go into the presence of the Lord once every year, just once. And God says, Still, all the tithes are doing to you. What? What? I'm here every day. After one Monday meeting, Thursday meeting, then some prayer meeting. What? And you know, the what? The guy could lose his life. A lot of dangerous instructions. That when he's going to the presence of God, they have to, they have to tie, they have to put this thing there. So that when he is not coming and he's there, they will just pull it. 
you are open to a lot of spiritual attacks just because of the pastor. Yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. One day I was there and it was I was asleep. I was asleep, I was not asleep. Then I had a trance. A dreamy kind of trance. Let's even let's agree with a dream. Then I was standing with Okay, I won't mention that he was a person. So I'm standing with this sister. And then a man came. And said, you have been looking for you. Yeah. So I said, what have I done? They said, my daughter is also and so. She is from my family. And my name is this. So the person mentioned the name. You are the one that we say our daughter should come home. And you say you don't want our daughter to come home. Then... He took a stick and he targeted my leg. And I said, if you throw that stick, I will beat you to death. <laughs> if you like, try it. So the moment I woke up from that, that, that whatever it was, and I called the sister. I said, Daddy, ah, this one I wouldn't. In fact, when I called, she missed the call. She couldn't answer, so she returned the call. Then I told her what it was. Then he said, just last three days or something. He said, last three days, I still have it. They called me to come home. And I said, I won't come. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. One of the people you honor over your life is your pastor or one you call your God. Praise the name of the Lord. Imagine if I'm not giving that person a little warning. You'll be there as well. Pastor woke up, he couldn't wake up. His leg ran out, that was like this. <laughs> or maybe I won't be able to walk again. Hallelujah. When we went to Oparipo, in one of the days, I had a dream. A man came to me and said, Who sent you to come to this place? Yeah. Who sent you to come to this place? And took out the gun. My chest, bah, bah, bah. He, as he was. As he was shooting me, the gun, that they will hit and fall down. Like with this, you can't think, no, hit it. Like, yeah. Just because you are standing for people, just because you are standing for people, your life is in danger. And Paul talks about it. Paul talks about it. He said, in danger of wicked men. Just because we are preaching that Jesus came to die. Just because we are preaching that if you believe in Jesus, you are saved. There are people who are wicked. Very even here in Zechiko, one that was going to preach. I got out from the office, went down there. Then I saw somebody had pointed a gun at me. Then I said, Why don't you come, come back to So I didn't pray that I went to preach. There are pastors who have died. There are pastors who have had broken marriages. There are pastors, pastors who have lost their children. There are pastors who have lost their families just because they are preaching the gospel. Ah, so this was about the marriage. Ah, about his power. He couldn't hold it. You were a fool. Yeah. About his power. Hey. All this man of God, when he stands, the way he's preaching the word. He's preaching the word. He lost his marriage. So when his child was about to die, didn't God show it to him? <laughs> Tell somebody, have mercy on pastors. Have mercy. No, look at somebody, tell the person, have mercy on pastors. Have mercy on pastors. 
No, I want you to really, really say to the person, say, have mercy on pastors. You, when you are going through something, when you are going through an ordeal, when you are in a certain kind, any kind of bondage, or when you are in any kind of trouble, you just go and talk to your pastor about it. Because you know you are safe. Daddy, I don't know. I can't control myself. Daddy, I've gone to do that. Daddy, I can't do that. And yet, what if your pastor is going through something like that? Who is he going to talk to? You tell him to pray. He knows God. Then you, you know you have given your issue to somebody so the person should stand and comfort you that's it for you. And say, I have a pastor who is it for me. My daddy, my daddy. Yeah. Hallelujah. One day, I was on the bed. Oh my God. My, my tummy was hurting out from my chest. Then somebody called me and said, he's been having this headache that will not go for three days. And he was praying and the Lord brought me into his mind. No, her mind. Now, God has brought you into the mind of the person. So what do you have to do? Have to say sometimes they are not sick, they just want you to say something and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I say, How do you feel? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so have mercy. Have a little mercy. You go to more, you spend 400 galaxies, and somebody is telling you that you're tired of a hundred galaxies in your pastor, you are full. You go and you watch lamb birds in whatever scene, and they say couple, two fifty, single, one twenty-five, VIP four hundred and twenty. So let's go for the at least we'll get closer to the screen. So you are going to you get closer to the screen. When you finish, then you call the monkey in the house. Speak a word of fire over my life. Very soon, we start speaking a word of water. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's read it. He says, for the work which they perform, for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, hereafter the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their liberty. It shall be a statue forever. Throughout your generation, that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heap offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, Among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Proper. No pastor Of course, they can give the church goes to your time when they can take off their pastor. I don't know what. The first time God revealed the pastoral ministry, He took them away from secular life. You know why? Because pastoral ministry is not time demand, it's land demand. Why are we working? Sometimes you go to a church and not take up. You know, but you know that you have good church members. Good church members. Yeah. With that Christians who are very wicked. Very, I'm not lying. Very wicked. Hey, I've been waiting for this to not like time. <laughs> Wicked church members. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I 
I don't think it's this that you have to No, no, no. You can't be here and be wicked. I'll baptize you. But there are Christians who are wicked. Wicked church members. Hallelujah. Yeah, so pastor has to work. And the society, there are some pastors who are under pressure. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm working because I need trash. Society comes to, I will never feel an inch, an inch of guilt if I'm taking money to eat from anybody. Legally, I mean, spiritually, not that bad. No. I will eat it very well. Yeah, to lay hands on you, you and your head. And hands on your head, only thing you fall down. Do you know how much power I <laughs> That's just by the way. But listen, there are Christians who are wicked. So the pastors, in protecting their dignity and all this, this charade of pastors are taking money from people, pastors are taking money from people, so all the church is forcing pastors to go and work. And when pastor is working, trust me, I am working, the, the time he has to pray, he will collect him money. Hallelujah. He will collect him money. So just imagine, I'm married, I have kids. And all of you have ganged up to say, Pastor, chop money. So you don't give money to anybody. I'm going to work. And if I'm going to work, trust me, as I'm working, you also be working. You bring your tithe, I bring my tithe. Whoever we are going to give to is none of our business. But that will go against you. Because you are not my gift. Of course, you are my gift. But you understand by this teaching, I am your gift. It means that every action of mine directly affects you. And we'll continue to see that the facts were not just for the priest, but for all those who work in the house of God. So, there was one person in the Bible we are going to see who got angry, the Bible says, because the fight that was made for the priest and the singers and all those who worked in the house of God was no more being given. And the pastors and the leaders and the people who worked in the house of God have all gone out to go and work. Yeah. And now Christians boast. Children of God boast. When somebody said that, says, yeah, a Christophobia, he be a year. Let me put it out the person. Right now that the Christians have become wise scripturally and nobody is giving that. All the pastors, all the lazy pastors are working outside. And it was being said by a pastor. That your pastor is working, you should start crying. Because he will not be able to see far like he has to see. He will not be able to pray like he has to pray. He will not be able to study like he has to study. And he will not be able to be vigilant like he has to be vigilant. So check all, most of the churches that the pastors are business gurus and they have this business here, they have that business here, they are into real estate and they are that, they are this, they are that. Most of them are practically doing nothing. When they come, they just give you seven lessons of David, five lessons of that, but they can't preach anything Holy Ghost. They are not transforming lives. They are just building head up, they are building head knowledge. And that is dangerous. If your pastor cannot pray for you, your pastor is not telling you what is coming ahead. Of course, you know everything that we are going to see. What God wants us to see, we see. But if once in a while your pastor is not doing nothing spiritual around you, laying hands somewhere on you to just collide you like that, then you, you are not a problem. 
Because the pastoral ministry is not just about having a ministry standing, a, 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 a human being standing before you to minister to you. It's somebody who can also hear God on your behalf when you are done of hearing. Hallelujah. Your pastor should be able to come sometimes give you clarity. In, in, the person may not even tell you that God has said something. But maybe something has come up. Or you are thinking about something. Or you are praying into something. Then the pastor maybe calls you out by prophecy and give a prophecy that is in line with maybe the happenings of the week. When the guy starts working, you won't get that. So it is supposed to take you three months to be able to break through. It can take you like six years. Because you'll be hearing slowly. Slowly. It's dangerous. Hallelujah. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what are we doing? I think it's dangerous. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Alright, so let's continue. Verse 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as an inheritance, then you shall offer up a heap offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithes. That is the least. A tenth of the tithes. Do you see that? And your heap offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor. And blah, 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 blah. So you can go and then make a study into that as well. Hallelujah. Now let's go again. When we look at these scriptures, the tithe in the law is not just about the government. The tithe in the law was God's financial system to take care of his house. That means that the tithe is not just about should a Christian pay tithe? Should a Christian not pay tithe? That is childish. Grace people, you don't like what I'm telling you. So, the tithes in the law was for what? The first thing we should ask ourselves as to whether the Christian should pay tithe or not pay tithe is what? Is tithe, is tithe relevant for the Christian? Has tithe passed or do we pay tithe? That is a wrong question to ask. How many of us agree is a wrong question to ask? Because God did not say, because I have brought the law, you should pay tithe. He gave the commandment to pay tithe in the law, of course, yes. But what was the motive for that law or for that command? Where do you think God brought that thing from? Where did God get it from? Where did God get the concept of tithe from? From Abraham. All right, then God brings it into the law. But what was the purpose why God instituted tithes and made it mandatory in the law? God brought in the tithe with the motive of helping his work or helping his ministers. So the motive of God for tithes is not legalities. Let's take, for example, in the law. I want to be very practical with you in this teaching, and I believe you are enjoying it. Yes, now, somebody is asking, so after this teaching, should we, do, are we supposed to give tithe? Of course, that's why I'm going to drive my head. <laughs> uh, okay, and you'll be free to ask me whatever questions. All right? 
So God brought him for the purpose or with the motive to take care of his needs. So that it is in the law, and we are no more under the law, does not cancel ministry and God's people who do ministry. Or you understand what I said? For example, why did God bring the law of atonement and the sacrifices that concern it so that the sin of the people can be done? So that is the motive. So the first motive is not just about law. God saw his people were sinning. And he is bringing in a system that can help the menace. So what am I going to do? When you sin, kill the bullock, kill this, and then I'm okay with you for, for one year. So that was the motive. So when Jesus Christ came to die, now Jesus paid an eternal offering. So there is no need again to kill an animal. So if we say the Lord has passed, it is not just because Christ came, God just said, uh, leave it. No. The motives for the institutions of the law has been met. All of them have been met in the death of Christ. Do you all agree with that? Yes, Come on, we all agree with that. Yes, now, so the motive of, um, how do you call it? Uh, the escape boat. All right? Was the escape boat, the goat that they laid hands on and then they took to the bush to bear the, the sin of the people. So what happens? Is it cancelled today? Is it cancelled today? Yes, Come on, is it cancelled today? Yes, sir. Why? Because the blood of Jesus handled that. Do we understand? Yes, sir. Do we still have people who do the work of God today? Did the blood of Jesus cancel that? Did the blood of Jesus fulfill that? Did the blood of Jesus bring money to pastors? So the law has been done away with, right? I mean the law, the, the old covenant, alright? It's been done away with. With its various ordinances, that's what the Bible says. Why and how did it how did it <laughs> how was it done away with? Or how did it get to be done away with? By the death of Christ. So by the death of Christ, if everything is done away with, of course we all agree it's done away with, nobody should be preaching here. Because it's done away with means that you don't, you don't give that, you don't pay, sorry, you don't pay that, right? And if you don't pay that, what does that mean? Two things. Either we don't take care of God's people again, or there is no means, there is no means that. There's no reason. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. That, that's what I'm saying that it is shallow to subject that to in the New Testament and the Old Testament. I really needed this teaching to be seriously recorded. But I'm not giving the person to ask me I'm saying that it is shallow. It is flawed to subject the issue of tithe. I'll show you just one example. The, <laughs> subjecting, subjecting the matter of should the Christian pay tithe or not because of the fact that the law has been done away with in Christ is shallow. 
It lacks maturity. It lacks maturity because the motive of God for instituting tight in the law is it has nothing to do with Jesus dying and not dying. That's a very strong statement to make. The motive for that is so that those who are in the service of God as priests and workers in the house of God will be taken care of. So that means as long as we have people who are doing the work of God, who have given themselves to the work of God, they must be taken care of. So it's either we now have to say that, oh, in the New Testament, God has blessed us much. So we think that even the tithe in the Old Testament was less. So let's increase it. That would be the wisest thing to say. Let me show you another one. Let's go to... Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I think you would. <laughs> Let's go to Ephesians 6, verse 1. Now listen, who is talking? Come on, who is talking? Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. He says, children, who is Apostle Paul? He was the one who was giving to fulfill the word of God. He was giving the dispensation of grace as a steward. Listen. <laughs> you like how I say the grace, eh? He says, children, obey your, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on earth. Let's look at it in Exodus. Exodus 20, it was part of the Ten Commandments. Let's get to Exodus 20. Are you all there? Quickly, quickly, quickly. We are doing strong exegesis right here. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you all there? Yes, sir. Exodus chapter number 20. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may belong upon the land which the Lord had given thee. Are the Ten Commandments done away with? Come on. Are the Ten Commandments done away with? Come on, talk to me, everybody. Are the Ten Commandments done away with? The great people, answer me fast. That's the only thing. Are the Ten Commandments done away with? They are all done away with. Does that mean we should disrespect and dishonor our mothers and our fathers? No. Paul the Apostle comes to tell us in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in grace, that you are to still honor your father and your mother. Then he says, which is the same apostle Paul who had told us that the law is done away with. He now comes to make reference that honor your father, New Testament church Ephesians, honor your father and your mother in the Lord. Hallelujah. Honor your father and your mother. Then he says, which is the first commandment with promise. So I want you to practice the first, the first commandment with promise as a New Testament church. It means that when we talk about the fact that the law is done away with, 
the concept of it does not apply makes it wrong. This, I want to hear now. I need serious people to explain Bible to them. So when the Bible says the law is done, done away with, it is not the same as that twatching per se. Okay, what I mean is that it does not mean that we cannot practice some of them. Because when Jesus died, his blood did not wipe away Henry, your father and mother. And that is in the law. So if your basis of the fact that we don't pay tithe again is based on the fact that Jesus has died, so we don't pay tithe, then we can also say Jesus has died, so we don't honor our father and our mother. Does that sound right to you? People rushed to explain things in a more flesh. That's the problem. There's nothing wrong with the church saying we pay that. There's nothing wrong with the church says we don't pay that. Are you understanding that? Are you understanding that? But if you are in a church that has a system that says you pay that, that's not where to go and do excuses. You are a rebellious child. You see, in grace, from Anna, your father, and your mother, in grace, do we, do we have to disrespect you? In the law, the Bible spoke about you should not covet and steal. After Jesus had died and resurrected, do we steal? So, subjecting things that the blood of Jesus did not pay for to the blood of Jesus is disrespect. To the blood of Jesus. I'm going to write that down. Subjecting, subjecting the things in the law, alright? To subjecting the things in the law which the blood of Jesus did not pay for. To his, whether he, he died and is gone or not, is a disrespect to the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus did not pay for whether we should pay for tithe or not. In the same way, the blood of Jesus did not pay for disrespecting and dishonoring. What does that mean? It means that when it comes to tithe, when it comes to honor, these are normal things that can be done or that should be done. So it's not the tithe is not just about the percentage. It's about the motive of God. The honor your father and your mother put in there it's not just about, it's not just about, just honor, all right? The motive of God is to bring sanity in the system where a, 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 a daughter or a son does not disrespect or dishonor the father and the mother. Does that make sense to us? Yes, oh, come on, does that make sense to us? Yes, so it's not about whether we pay that or we don't pay that in the New Testament. It is... Do we still have to take care of our ministers? Okay, so are we going to do tithe, or we are going to do 20, or we are going to do 11, or we are going to do 10, or what are we going to do? Oh, okay, so let's maintain the fact. Okay, so we are still going to take care of our pastors by paying tithe. Oh, we are still going to take care of our people in church, those who play, those who sing, those who do, so that they can do full-time ministry, by everybody giving out to making a vow to the Lord that 
one fifth of everything that we have will be given for this particular purpose. And case closed. Hallelujah. Let's go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number three. I think the next time I can go to other offerings, right? This one is very understanding. Oh, it's not understanding. Okay. It's clear, right? Nehemiah chapter number three. Somewhere there. Let's begin from 10. And I perceive, 13, 10, sorry. Let's begin from 7. Verse 7. And I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me so that I cast forth all the household staff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded and they cleansed the chamber and Peter brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. So Nehemiah gets into the place and gets to know that Tobiah and other people, they stop people from time. They stop the tithing and they were not taking care of the priests. The leader was taking care of the singers in the church. So because of that and the, and, the, and the scarcity and all of that, the pastors and the singers and all those who were working in the church, those who are supposed to just come and dedicate themselves to prayer, those who have just been sitting down working on songs and doing that, doing that, Mr. Noah is going to teach somebody how to sing. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the man of God is selling something somewhere, and this one is going to do this somewhere, and this one is going to do that somewhere. So nothing is coming. So the, the man of God says, all right, so we are going, to do, we are going into our own fields. It means that a church and ministry that does not take care of his work is not as a pastor's work. Hallelujah. I don't think that, sincerely speaking, you can be working in a circular way and still be able to get time and you are receiving songs and you are working on songs and all of that. Although these guys said they will never want you to be. So it's not that it's not all people who receive monies. Not, these are not salaries, all right? Monies from from church that want to be. That will be paid by the church. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But it is of necessity. Of course, in the house of God, we have people who do voluntary work. Alright? Yeah, there are people who do voluntary work. And there are people who must be taken care of by the church. And God will not bring bank money to take your church. How do people get that idea from pastors are chopping money? We, one day you are going to GCI, a ministry of education is going to be Hallelujah. So the man says that. And the man said, listen, listen to what the man said. And he says, Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? When we push our leaders, 
and people who are frontliners of ministry, we push them to go and work. The house of God will be forsaken. The house of God will be forsaken. Hallelujah. Ask those who are teaching. Yeah. Maybe we're having this particular thing. You have to do this. And say, oh, I was in class. You think if the person was be if the church has the financial capacity to take care of those people, they will be in class. You think they are just happy that we are having a program or having a meeting and they are not they are not coming, then they are teaching things that will not take people to heaven. They are teaching it in class. <laughs> you think they are happy? <laughs> Let's send me God. That's not it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We think we're having pastors meeting and Pastor Allah will come after 12 because from 10 to 12 you have to do whatever, whatever thing so that they will pay you. So think about it. Now, the first night, he has to be here. He has to go and run the whole year, whatever, report. So he, he can never go to the defense night as long as he's there. Think about it. Who told you the church should not have money? No, who told you? Man, Father, oh, we are not prophesying today. We, we, we have to do this thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> the church should be blessed financially. Hallelujah. We are not just taking people to heaven. Sir. We are not just coming to teach. No, the church should be blessed financially. There should be people in the church that one person's fight can take out the whole church. God has to repeat because God was raising people who take care of the church from the church. The concept that the church does not raise rich people is wrong. The problem is that when a church beats itself all year round about raising millionaires, that's where the pastor is wrong. When a pastor does not have a mandate to raise millionaires, that's where he's wrong. But by virtue of the offerings of the spirit in the church, the spirit of God is able to provoke millionaire spirit in people to be able to get it. So that in turn, the people of God that stand here ministering daily, somebody can say, Pastor Noah, no, I don't like the way you are walking. Your place is very far from church. And therefore, I give you this house and I give you this car to do the work of God. I think the way you people say, I think you need a very powerful this thing. And then that, that is how the church is run. That's the mind of God. So that, that also goes beyond who is giving money to who. No. That's like the first stage. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God said, Moses, speak to the children of Israel. That I, I need a tabernacle. Speak to the children of Israel. I need, I need a church to be built. Tell them to bring gold. Tell them to bring diamonds. Tell them to bring silver. God was not asking papers. He was asking for gold. He was asking for silver. He was asking for precious stones. You are here, you are thinking about papers. We are not salvation. Yeah. No. The Spirit of God, I so much believe, will raise people here right in this church. Makatabaya. Single hundred will build churches. Not just a church. They will build churches. They will build churches. People who bring buses, buses, buses. Sit down, sit down, sit down for a minute, sit down for a minute. I was listening to 
Kennedy Ejapo. And he says that he bought 275 pickups for a political party. If a political party can have such a good, you think that's wrong for a church? You think that's wrong for a church? For a church to have a jet? You think that's wrong? For a church to have buildings, that's wrong? I said, we are moving in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are moving in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the God that set men. He lived down from the downhill. He set them up. I believe in that God. I believe in that God. Who raised men out of the dust, out of poverty, and makes them to inherit the throne of glory. The essence of our giving is not coins. The essence of our giving has nothing to do with papers. God never asks for papers. Even when, when you are going to redeem, He said five shekels of silver. He talks about gold. Here you are, you are struggling over 10%. You are, you are struggling. You are making huge biblical study about why a Christian should not pay time. You are sick. Because God's mind, it goes beyond papers. Are you understanding me? Yes, sir. God, it goes beyond papers. Yes, the church of Jesus Christ must be wealthy. Hayano Shamahaya. Some of you are not in church. I say the church of the Lord Jesus Christ must be wealthy. The church of the Lord must be financially strong. Halaba Shabaya. If we are going to confront hell, if we are going to confront hell and bring it down to its knees, Shabalagado Shabahaya. to sponsor. No, 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 no. It's right from this church. Relax. God is working with you. Relax. He's working with you. In millions, it will come. In all manner of currencies, it will come. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Shout it, I'm a radical giver. Shout it, I'm a radical giver. Say, I give in gold, in silver, and in precious stones. Hallelujah. So much important. So much important. If you're here, you're myopic in your thinking. Take it away. Take it away. I, 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 I can't commit because I have a lot of no what God looks for you is beyond us that is beyond our money salary you have been, you have been receiving hallelujah and I so much believe in a few years to come oh 
by the audacity of the Spirit of God. By the hoverings of the Spirit. I say, by the hoverings of the Spirit. 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 Shagadava Hallelujah. He said, then contended I with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Oh my God. And brought all Judah the tithes. And then, and then brought all Judah the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. May the Lord raise an Nehemiah amongst us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No men, men like carnal Christians who complain of people who take care of the house of God. He says, and I brought the corn. I brought, I brought it. 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 Hallelujah. You can say, because of me, the house of God will not be forsaken. No, because of me, the house of God will not be forsaken. I know it goes, it goes beyond it goes beyond that. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's not a matter of whether it's 10%, 2%, 3%. No, it goes beyond it. Just be, just be committed in whatever the Lord puts in your hands. Hallelujah. Be committed because that is a declaration of faith. That Father, because of me, your house will not be forsaken. Everything you give me, it will be directed back to your house. So that your work will succeed. When you hear. That somebody has built a car. When you hear that somebody has built that, when you hear somebody has bought 275 pickup, 275 pickup, 200 and why human being? 275 pickup. That man comes to tell you that when you pay your time in church, you are sick. The man thinks that buying 275 pickups to a political party is more sensible. Than giving a tithe to church. You don't believe such a person. Hallelujah. You don't believe such a person. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can't God raise men that will say, Well, how dare you pay for every expense for crusades? I'm not talking about two kitchen crusades, mega crusades. You think God can't raise people from here, here in Africa, in some people's life? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God can raise. And he is raising. I said, and he is raising. And he is raising. And he is raising. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Tithes is not about Jesus has died. Jesus has not died. No. That's why I didn't go into will a man rob God? You have robbed me. It's not about that. The higher matters. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The house of God will not be forsaken. When you have that understanding as a Christian, you will even strive to do more than 10. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you cannot tell me that as alive as you are, as alive as you are, you don't do 10. That means that the people who were spiritually dead were more alive than you. Because if somebody in the Old Testament who did not have the Holy Ghost. Christ had not come to redeem. Could consistently do a tithe unto the Lord. If Abraham by faith did a tithe unto the Lord, if Jacob by faith did a tithe unto the Lord, or forms a tithe unto the Lord, 
You're born again. You have the spirit of God. You are working. When your salary comes, the first that comes into your mind is who you are owed. And you think that God is bringing people who will not let the house of God be forsaken if you Of course not. Because the Bible says, He who is faithful in little, might be doing the best. Hallelujah. I pray for all of us today that you will make sure that you have a financial commitment from today. Hallelujah. No human being here will tell me that for a whole month, no money comes into your hand. Make a financial commitment.
pretty serious. What are you looking for? It's a different thing when you check where you are hungry. That's fine. But some people are just going around. Overcome. Thank you so much for blessing me today. Just by the way. But then, that should not be reduced to whether Jesus is dead or Jesus did that. When Jesus died, was the church commanded to pay tithe? No. Did the church start paying tithe? Yes. When Jesus appeared, and gave letters to the churches in Revelation. He never mentioned one of his issues is that any of the churches taking that or not taking that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let, let's go to Matthew now. Listen to the in the in from Matthew to Revelation. There are only, there are only two two mentions of tithes. One in Hebrew, one in Matthew, spoken of by Jesus Himself. Look at what he says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. What, what is Jesus saying? Tithes, the substance of tithes, is not the law. Oh my God, I He says that. You are hypocrite because when it comes to that, you are paying tithes, but you have abandoned the weightier matters of the law. That means that inside the law, tithe is something that is irrelevant. And that is very important. Then you will use this to demand that. But when you study this, you know that Jesus was not of your life. If you are telling us that because Jesus is there, yes, you are being so we don't pay tithes. Jesus said that that guy was not, he had nothing to do with the law. So don't use the law to prove the substance of the time because the substance of time is not the law. I believe today I've seen a lot of people the way Adam is doing this. <laughs> great, 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 great. Grace. But Jesus says that. The weightier matters of the law, tight is not part. What does that mean? For example, you came to this church, and by the time you realize, you are wondering how come 
this louver blade, the window, the net, why it is torn. And that is what you are seriously thinking and asking for. Why is this thing torn? Man of God is here, he's preaching. I'm giving you a word that will build your soul. That is what grace people are doing now. Of course, a lot of people do the same thing. That's what they are doing. We have to pay that. I'm a dangerous titan. If you don't pay that, your pocket will be tight. We were raised with the foundation of heart, and that's what we are going to do. Hallelujah. Hear me and hear me, sir. Nobody with his exigences can tell us not to pay that. Tight. Tight. If I begin to tell you the testimonies. Sir, sir, relax. How can anybody any pastor who takes tight is a thief. You are a thief. <laughs> because you are saying something the Bible never said. Jesus says that there are something that are inside the law, they have no it. For example, if you go to court, if you want to prove the substance of a matter, what do you use? What? The constitution, the law of the land. Imagine you are inside America and you are using Ghana's constitution to prove how illegal it is for a man or a woman to sleep with the same sex. Who will listen to you? And imagine you come from America, you bring American constitution here to prove, who, who, nobody will mind you because it is not the substance of our constitution. Are we together in this place? It's not the substance of our constitution. So you cannot use the law to debunk or approve facts. Do you understand? Listen, he says that, and you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. <laughs> Jesus is serious. He says, these ought ye to have done and not leave the other undone. Simple. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus is telling you, I don't have a problem with you paying that. But I'm telling you that the law, at that time you are not died. The law had much important things. Alright? So the much important thing is mercy, faith, and all of the things, judgment, as he mentioned. When it comes to this one, you can do it. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.
I have in me the birth.